Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, and we're here with you guys live on this July 7th, 2021. I hope everyone's having a great Wednesday afternoon. I would say, if I were to bet anything, that uh, we're actually having a pretty good Wednesday afternoon. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me go ahead and get my stuff set up here on the screen for you guys so you guys know what's coming down the pike. We already got the chat room filling in. Hey there, D Patriot 1776 and Texas Gal. Hope you all are doing fair this uh, Wednesday evening. And Babs the Ice Queen, how's it going, Babs? Good to see you and always great to have you in the audience. All right, so we all know what the score was today. We were all here at uh, what, 11, 11 a.m. Eastern this morning watching President Trump lay the smackdown on the big tech corpse, right? That was a lot. That was some good stuff right there, ladies and gentlemen. You'll have to admit uh, it's something that is most definitely long overdue and something that is happening now. So uh, we'll have to see where that goes. I'm pretty sure it'll go somewhere. Um, of course, Poking around the interwebs today, I'm already seeing things, you know, people kind of like, uh, you know, uh, saying that there's really no teeth to this lawsuit, that there's no way to prove any of this happened. I'm like, where were you guys the whole last, like, what, you know, year and a half? Like, Where were you from the moment that President Trump was censored off of Twitter and off of Facebook? Uh, but of course, those people don't even know those. Some of these people don't even think that people are being censored. Um, which, I mean, obviously we know what camp they sit in if they can say those types of things, uh, because they've probably seen, never seen a lick of censorship in their life. But we'll get into the bat, we'll get into that in just a little bit, of course, because naturally we've got a couple of other things to cover before we hop into the report. How's it going, Blonde Blue Lady Q? And also Just V, good to have you in. <laughs> My voice is almost back, says Just V. Uh, yes, oh, I did not write back to you, Just V. I apologize, but I did see that video that you sent to me. That's a pretty strong video from um, um, a very angry Scottish man. <laughs> but I was kind of like, what's going on July 19th? over in the United Kingdom or in Scotland or wherever. But uh, I don't know, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do, we'll, we'll air that on a Mr. C in the dark, uh, perhaps sometime uh, before July 19th, which means uh, you can bet your uh, bottom dollar that Mr. C will be doing a Mr. C in the dark show before July 19th, 17 minutes long. That one was, but uh, yeah. So as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a we have a pretty good show today. Uh, the C report tonight will again start focusing on some of the election audit and election integrity efforts that are happening that are taking place because patriots around America are standing up. We've had enough, and we're mad as heck 
and we're going to do something about it. So uh, that's kind of what we're seeing transpire here. Uh, the people, the plan is actually coming. Uh, I think it's starting to fruit. I would say that the tree of the plan is starting to fruit. Uh, we might not be ripe yet, but I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. All right. Let's see who else we got in the chat today. A bunch of friends here, as usual, are are typical and usual. Well, actually, you guys are anything but typical, so don't take that the wrong way. But our usual suspects are uh, <laughs> our C repeat offenders. Always good to have you guys in the chat. And uh, we've got, uh, we've got, I mean, in my opinion, We've got a pretty good chat recap for you guys today. So we're going to go ahead and get into that so we don't stay long on uh, benevolent subjects, correct? Tam Gorell was in the house. Joy for Trump, Texas gal, Mount, Matt1776, gifting a can of gold pills. Uh, we also had Babs the Ice Queen, service dog mom, looking up popcorn17. Joy for Trump. Why would President Trump endorse Abbott? Yes, so we get we have some pretty good tr we have some pretty good chat going on here from the jump because I think I was like what maybe five minutes into the show, <laughs> so let's see here. Um, yes, uh, uh, let's go ahead and read through a couple of these. Uh, Babs the Ice Queen says I've been supporting Colonel West when he ran for Congress in Florida. He has my loyal support since two thousand eight. Babs loves him. Uh, I'm getting to know Colonel West uh, in all honesty, so we will see what's up with that. Um, Bab says he is a badass and he takes no shnikes. Always in Texas in the house because we're not done yet. Texas gal says I've been following Colonel West since the war in Iraq. He is in their crosshairs. Babs the Ice Queen says I would consider changing my life and moving to Texas if West was governor. Uh, and uh, here we have uh, Popcorn17 saying, my thoughts exactly, Joy for Trump, what's the hurry, especially after many of Trump's endorsements for 2020 makes me question some of them. Now, a lot of this is coming up because uh, there had been a previous comment in a chat that we were talking about uh, Abbott and uh, Colonel West and also Trump's endorsement. And President Trump has already endorsed Governor Abbott of Texas. Now he did this probably like maybe two to three weeks ago. He laid his endorsement. So I can definitely understand the comment by Popcorn17 where he's asking, what's the rush, right? Like, what is the rush? I mean, that's way ahead. If you think about it, that's way ahead of the primary where uh, President Trump is already endorsing uh, Governor Abbott for the next term. But that's not all, ladies and gentlemen. Aside from DPatriot1776 being in the House, um, let's see here. Always in Texas says, forgive my irrational thinking, but Abbott only does stuff when he feels pressure on his career. Now, you know, always in Texas, that's not entirely irrational. I would think that that might actually be a bit rational <laughs> and not rationalizing either by any means. Popcorn 17 says, I just feel like Abbott rides the fence a lot. I can't help but wonder if he's in the bush camp. Ooh, does Abbott really go that deep? He is, after all, a career politician. Henry4570 says, at this point, I don't trust any of these bleeping politicians. Uh, and yeah, that's very, I mean, yeah, I mean, indeed, at, at that point. So uh, I want to say there's a little bit more chat and connection to President Trump, Abbott, and Colonel West. But what I would say, ladies and gentlemen, um, is because, yes, uh, there have been moments in President Trump's uh, history as president of the United States or someone who was um, able to endorse such uh, individuals uh, that President Trump 
he he has endorsed some people that have indeed stabbed him in the back. You know, so I don't know. As far as uh, Texas politics go, it's all theater from what I'm understanding. There's a lot of things uh, that really uh, lend itself to um, everything is uh, everything is staged very particularly in regards to where, uh, you know, it'll help them if they push certain things and it'll make them look better. Now, I don't blame anyone for riding the fence with Abbott. I am currently on the fence with him myself. In spite of all of the, the good things that he has done for the state of Texas, there are some things that we have to question about. But now in regards, no, so let's let's keep on the, the, the let's keep on the thought of Abbott being endorsed so early by President Trump. Now think about this. If Texas politics are indeed theater and uh, everything is positioned to make Governor Abbott look good as he moves forward. Because just think about it. Tomorrow they start their special session here in the state of Texas and they will be addressing election integrity and they will be addressing uh, what was the other thing? Uh, the transgenders in uh, sports and stuff like that. So with those items on the table, Moving forward in a special session, it only stands to make Abbott look good. You have what? Uh, they're out of session already. Say they were out of session and they held no special sessions. You have all summer long for people to just lose interest in Abbott and for his support to pitter out because he's doing nothing. By calling these special sessions and bringing these bills into uh, the crosshairs, as was said here in the, the chat, then he can also uh, maintain his support and maintain uh, his momentum moving into 2022. It's very strategic, but perhaps by Trump, um, you know, um, uh, endorsing him so early, that also gives room for that endorsement to kind of shroud itself into the mythos of history where people forget about it. And then we can kind of see what kind of moves Abbott makes is kind of what I'm saying here. Now, obviously what I would do is, you know, I would support the candidate that I think would most appropriately fit that bill. Um, Colonel West is a certainly, aside from, uh, you know, Abbott and West, I think would probably be the two really hot contenders. Forget Matthew McConaughey. And I mean, Doug Huffines, I mean, I don't know a lot about this man. He looks kind of creepy. Um, and just on those two assessments alone, um, I don't know that I could really stand behind him. I'd have to do a lot more digging, that's for sure. But uh, we also have to remember that, pres like, like you all are aware, President Trump did endorse a bunch of people, and some of them turned out to be rotten eggs, right? Um, I would not blame that on Trump himself. Now, think about this. Think about this. Say you're running a business. Say you're the boss, you know, and uh, it's not a small business. And, and you know, I've seen, I've seen this method used, this methodology used in big business, uh, because I used to be an operations manager for a rather large Texas business. And the best bosses, the best bosses, when they had new people coming in as managers, coming in as co-managers, coming in as supervisors, uh, based on them being, um, how do you say, uh, them being promoted to that position. So think of a manager, think of someone uh, going into a management position underneath a really good boss being promoted. And think about a politician who's being endorsed by Trump as someone who is being promoted, right? The best bosses always took their new appointees at 
In other words, if you were promoted into that position, if President Trump endorsed you into that position because you were that good or he felt that you would work very well in that position, he's taking these people at 100 percent. They're saying they're America first. They're for the Constitution. They're going to fight for the rights of American people. They're going to listen to their constituents. They're going to drain the swamp. If they go into this gambit of politics with that message, the best bosses take their new appointees at 100%. They don't doubt them. They don't put. A, they don't cast a shroud of, of skepticism on them because that will only prevent them from doing their job. So Trump takes these people at 100%. And I'm going to say because he was a boss, that's probably the way he played it. And he left it up to them to make sure they kept themselves at 100%. And then you get to people like what? Who's that one guy we talked about? Anthony Gonzalez, who went ahead and stabbed him in the back, right? No longer was he 100%. He showed himself to be the rhino that he is, correct? So we can't, we can't really question or place all that blame on President Trump. At least I wouldn't. Only because as a boss, you are also in charge of delegating the responsibilities to other people, to ensure that they live up to the expectations that they have set up for themselves or that they live up to uh, the job qualifications, correct? That's kind of the way I think about it. So I don't really hold it over President Trump for endorsing some dirt bags and some sleaze bags and some people who are probably very treasonous. But at the same time, we should probably take them at 100% too. But what that means in the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, what that means is that it is up to us to have uh, to have the uh, the follow through on that, and when these people start to you know uh, fall by the wayside and start to show their true snaky treasonous colors, we have to hold them accountable because at the end of the day, we're the boss here in the United States of America. We are the ones who govern. We are the ones who say what goes, and that includes to someone like President Trump. We are the ones who are supposed to be the boss. So that's up to us on our part, but that's kind of just the way I kind of see it because I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with Abbott in Texas, to be honest with you guys. But, uh, you know, we'll find out what that happens. And as that goes along, how that will end up. All right, let's get back into the chat recap. Oh boy, guys, I'm already on fire. Okay. So, <clears throat> Uh, let's see what else do we have here today. Um, Popcorn seventeen, we read that one. J Bell was in the house. J Bell was gracing us with her presence yesterday. Babs the Ice Queen, keeping in mind, I I like how it is away, but still close enough. Okay, uh, Babs and always got into a conversation about Babs coming to Texas. I think it's pretty cool that Babs has roots pretty far back in these United States of America, and in its history. So um, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, and they were talking about uh, Babs coming over to Texas. That would be that would be pretty cool, I would have to say. Um, and then uh, let's see. Uh, yes, what? A, oh wait, uh, that's what's wonderful about Central Texas. Oh, okay, because Babs is keeping in mind uh, she likes how it's uh, a, where she lives is away, but still close enough to many cities. Um, yeah, I miss Central Texas. I miss Central Texas like crazy, y'all. Like, um, that was probably where I was happiest. Um, uh, Tam Grell says, that's Bernie. He's very nice. Bernie was a Marine. Okay, so we were talking about Bernie <laughs> from, uh, was it uh, Truth and Art TV? Uh, um, you guys know who he is. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so... It's a disgrace that I don't know. Basically, I was I was saying that if uh, you guys know what I said yesterday, 
<laughs> Y'all know what I said yesterday. I said if James Wood put on some prosthetics, he would run a show like Bernie does over at his channel. I just thought he looked like Bernie, but yes, he's he he's pretty good. He does uh, he does deliver he does deliver that uh, that good info and good analysis as well. Just V was in the house. We had one, two, three SKG gifting a can of gold pills. Um, our Barbo bot was also in the house. Babs the Ice Queen. My family's from Texas. Oh, here we go. Since 1850, but I choose to move to Virginia, chose to move to Virginia to where they live since 1612. So it is actually kind of fitting that we had Babs the Ice Queen in the house yesterday because we were talking about the 1619 project. And apparently that originates in Virginia, as we'll see as we move along. The Speak and Easy was also in the house. We had Doreen Merck gifting a can of gold pills as well as the Speak and Easy. Thank you guys so much. Looking up, we need to make sure we have constitutional sheriffs. They can arrest a mayor, governor, gover uh, government employee, school board, etc. I agree 100% with that. Uh, constitutional sheriff or the sheriff uh, position indeed is the uh, ultimate law of the land. That's where the buck stops wherever you go because uh, they are an elected official. That's the highest office. It's higher than a freaking governor. And then looking up says in Florida, they have Sheriff Grady Judd. I was so happy that looking up brought up Sheriff Grady Judd because um, I, I watch his um, I watch his press conferences sometimes. <laughs> Oh, that Grady Judd. I love Grady Judd. I mean, a name like that, just, just a name like that to begin with. But um, uh, Sheriff Grady Judd has some pretty, pretty funny and uh, informative press conferences. If you guys have never seen them, you should probably look them up. Um, man, I, I, they're, you know, they're infotainment basically for me. Babs the Ice Queen. Okay, waiting for the S talking about Virginia. I'm sorry, Babs. I did not get to Virginia last night. I apologize. Uh, it wasn't a whole lot. I mean, I don't know. We'll see where the uh, show ends tonight. And if I have enough time, I will run the Virginia story for you, Babs. Y'all just guys, I'll let you guys let me know towards the end of the show. When we start talking about Georgia, let me know if y'all want me to go a little bit longer. Uh, but we got a pretty full show for you guys tonight. So y'all just let me know. Okay, always in Texas. What the Bob just happened? Did Mr. C just make a sports ball reference? I did. And I already forgot what it was all about. So I guess... <laughs> I guess that's gone. Looking up says at just V, I might send a note to President Trump to mention it. I was watching a channel and they were talking about it. I think we're again, we're talking about his endorsements. Uh, the concern I have is he will see what you send him. How many people are they filtered through? Popcorn 17 says, I would not be surprised that on Meadows, another one is McCarthy. Uh, I thought about writing to Trump about listening to the wrong people. And again, there you go. We know that Trump was surrounded by the swamp. Uh, we know that uh, people who pretended not to be swamp creatures were also surrounding him. And uh, the man's not a politician. And a lot of people are going to be like, well, why aren't you taking a, you know, a seasoned politician into your cabinet? Or why aren't you looking at them to be people who would give you some advice and stuff like that? So, I mean, he could, in my opinion, I'm not being an apologist. He could only do so much. But again, any boss will take people at 100%. And he will fire them summarily if they need to be, um, or at least uh, at least uh, make statements that would uh, maybe cause a recall or or you know uh, take away the endorsement or something like that. Looking at just V, I agree. I was thinking of just sending it through his site where you can send him or Melania a note. 
uh, always in Texas at Popcorn. It would uh, make more sense to have Foxhole Fam be his advisors. Um, we'd even do it for free. Hell, I'd pay him to be an advisor. That would be interesting. Uh, um, I think there are probably a lot of qualified people to be an advisor for President Trump, but I mean, how does one qualify? Uh, or what does qualification come from? Uh, Babs the Ice Queen says, not trusting Trump's endorsements lately, sadly. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. there's a lot of conversation about this yesterday. But it's true, though. It's true. And, and we all have the right to feel that way. Joy for Trump. Yes, Max Miller seem nice, but they all seem nice. Uh, always in Texas, I don't want nice people in office. I want fighters. Joy for Trump says, I want patriots. Jess V says, I agree completely. I want ass kickers. Babs the Ice Queen says, I want bitches and assholes in office take no s and give no f's except for their constituents and i agree with all of that 100 ladies and gentlemen 100 we have j bell gifting a can of gold pills and classical chick gifting a gold pill cookie thank you so much um and then let's see here what else we got here okay so then we start talking about anthony gonzalez <laughs> i don't think i need to bring up the picture of anthony gonzalez again uh but you guys y'all you guys were kind of thinking on my my plane yesterday when it came to him um because i compared him to the guy from uh the goonies uh i didn't remember his name but i guess it was sloth <laughs> anyways so um i'm gonna read the comments babs the ice queen says he has a penis shaped head and that babs is the thing i said that about him the first time that i showed his picture at the sea report or whatever show it was i was doing then um let's see just he says i remembered he was next to my goonie on the 10 rhinos that voted to impeach always in texas says he looks like sloth from the goonies thank you always for giving me that name uh, about him from the Goonies, Sloth. Uh, Just he says he does look like a dickhead. <laughs> what was up with that head? He had like the head that was perfectly shaped for like some weird like bullet helmet. Uh, Michael West says, oh, oh, this was an interesting. Oh, wait. First, Michael West says it, he reminds me of the Toxic Avenger. Very old movie. Yes, I could definitely see that connection. The Toxic Avenger. Um, and then, uh, and then he said, oh wait, and then, uh, uh, Rebel Sace says, Rebel's Ace says, dude looks like a bonehead. Uh, and then, you know, spell check, he, they actually meant conehead. Uh, yeah, I would agree with all of that. I would agree with all of that. Now, Michael West says, I feel like you should run for something. You do a great job with your show. I'm sure you'd make a good mayor. I, I mean, okay, so Always in Texas chimed in for me. Um, um, he claims his delinquent status would make him unelectable. Uh, all I've got to say about that, ladies and gentlemen, is yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, I've, I've lived a very colorful and storied life. <laughs> and you know that uh, when you live a colorful and storied life, uh, that they will come at you with everything that they can find. I mean, I, I got attacked on Twitter one time with uh, mugshots, and they are like, oh, did you already serve your time? And I was like, proudly. I proudly served my time. Thank you very much. It was just for a DWI. It's not just a DWI, but uh, that is to say, not to take away the importance of what that was by saying just, but, you know, that's all that it was. I mean, there was nothing else to it other than that. Um, so, uh, but there's other things, you know, you know what they say, what happens uh, in Las Vegas stays on the internet anyways. Okay. But I would apply that to everything in life. So uh, I don't know. 
I feel like I would be a sitting duck. Yeah, I feel like I would be a waste of time and money if people did that. But, you know, there's always redemption. I mean, I've been on the straight and narrow since I've been doing this. So we'll see what's up. Um, uh, oh, so anyhow, uh, getting back into this. Um, um, always in Texas. Uh, <laughs> no, Babs the Ice Queen says, I always wanted to go into politics, but I lived in Europe for a few years and there are pictures somewhere there. <laughs> I feel you, Babs. Okay, I feel you. Uh, Babs, the Ice Queen, I hope there's no pictures of me like that out there. Says always in Texas. Okay, always. If you have to ask if there are pictures of you like that out there, that's concerning. Because I could say there probably are for me. <laughs> I always said, hey, if you record, make sure I get a copy of it. Okay, anyways. Okay, so God, I'm being bad right now. Um, what else do we got here going on today? Uh, let's see here. A uh, very old movie, Delinquent Past. Oh, the Speaking Easy. Um, we're talking about the band of brothers here, the 10, the 10 deadbeats that voted to impeach Trump. Speaking Easy calls them the band of putos. <laughs> oh, it always tickles me. Um, uh, let's see here. What else we got? Blonde Blue Lady Q's gifting some shades. We have, uh, ba uh, Babs the Ice Queen saying, my rep here in Virginia is a democrat, uh, a democrat, former CIA, and she's nasty effing Hua, <laughs> uh, Babs, the representative is a nasty effing hua. Hopefully, Pompeo was one in a million good guy. And you know, when it comes to the CIA, very valid question. You never know. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with uh, uh, Director Ray, for example. Now, we're getting like a lot of different messages about Director Ray. Do we trust him? Do we not trust him? Do we trust Ray? Do we, do we, he would look at what he's doing, but. At the same time, we don't know everything that's going on, right? So we have to kind of, some of us have to kind of wait it out and see exactly where that wind is going to blow. Uh, because, I mean, uh, you know, there's layers upon layers and moves within moves. I'm not giving him any uh, benefit of the doubt. Uh, I mean, because personally, I'm not really looking at that. But I know he's been coming under opposition in regards to what happened in January 6th, false flag riots. So that's also something to keep an eye on. A lot of stuff developing on that in this case, but we're not really covering it here at the Sea Report. Uh, we'll wait for some more dead, dead news time. You know, when it's slow news time, we'll talk about that. But uh, anyways, always in Texas, the donkeys across the river just went berserk, setting off the peacock next door. Uh, I had to talk. I had to mention that because I used to have a neighbor that had a peacock. And man, the way that that bird shrieks, it shrills. It really shrills whenever it's going off. So yeah, I just had to mention that. Just V, do we do we need to remove all the presidents of universities? I don't think that'd be enough. We're getting into critical race theory here. Looking up says the unions are telling schools to make sure they still teach critical race theory regardless of what parents think. Uh, and Just V says the teachers unions need uh, need uh, need to be outlawed. All public service sectors should. I think all unions should go. Don't we have enough federal laws now to protect people that you don't need other people telling people what to do? Uh, just being like, I don't know. That's just my opinion of it. They just, it seems like people who are like, I don't know, um, who are like, like parasites, you know, they're just in there like parasiting off of businesses and people. That's kind of the way I see unions, but I don't know. I've never lived in a union state. Um, Joy for Trump says the teachers need to rise up against the union. The problem there, Joy for Trump, is that a lot of teachers are like going for this critical race theory. Like we might have to fire all of them, like all of them. They need to go like all these brainwashed, weird teachers who are like filled with soy and estrogen. 
because there's a lot of males like that. And then the women are like, like super estrogen. So they're like manly. Anyways, uh, better lately gifts some shades. Thank you very much for the gold pill shades. Shepherding Shepherd says, we the people will form a new union of America with final, finally liberty and justice for all. Believe God has already planted the seed. I love, 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 love Shepherding Shepherd's enthusiasm in the chat rooms. The Speak and Easy says, slavery has always existed since there have been hierarchies. Very true. Looking Up says, there is something that I want to work on, the Constitution, and to get sheriffs on board with arresting people for being unconstitutional. Absolutely. The Speak and Easy, CRT is part of the Rules for Radicals. Absolutely. And we act, we absolutely went through its connections to Marxism yesterday, even though it was in short. Um, but at least we have that understanding. Just V, I like Morgan Freeman idea. Stop talking about race. I see a man or woman. I agree with that 100%. It's just unfortunate that Morgan Freeman is a bloodthirsty pagan baby eater. Just V gifts some shades of gold um, and thank you. Gold pills. <laughs> shades of gold, right? Uh, shades of gold pills. Thank you so much. Looking up, let's not forget that per Nuremberg Code, anyone who tries to coat ears or threaten someone to get the shot can get the death penalty. Yes, indeed. And that's something that they're afraid about, but we'll see what happens. 123SKG says, I would love to know the list of governors friendly to the CCP that Pompeo talked about. That's a good question. I imagine that everyone was very uncomfortable at that luncheon that they had with Pompeo. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to go have a good dinner with Pompeo and he's going to talk to us, etc. They were Their stomachs were probably curdling after he gave them that message. It'd be even funnier if he did the message before they ate. <laughs> they all lost their appetite. They're like, dang it, I was just hanging out with Dong last night. Long duck Dong. Anyways, okay. 123SKG says, oh wait, we saw that one. Speaking easy says, Pedo Joe pushes CRT. Isn't he like the grand cyclops of the KKK or something? That's a good point, Mr. Speak Uneasy. How on earth can he be pushing? Well, I mean, I guess it is a different form of racism. I guess for the grand cyclops of the KKK, Pedo Joe, that would be like reverse racism for him uh, um, or something like that. So maybe it's still within, uh, it's still within bounds for him because it's still separating the blacks from the whites even though it's inflaming the blacks against the whites and every other minority, but that's a funny point. Billy Q is in the house. Um, let's see what else we had. Babs, the ice queen, the first legal slave owner in America was a black man. That's an interesting piece of uh, history right there. More people should know about that. Just he says they never talk about the blacks in Africa that were capturing and selling other blacks. That's another interesting, interesting fact of history that no one talks about. Um, Heels up Harris says Philly Q. Caribbean ancestors were also slave owners, and yet we don't see Kamana Wanalea getting canceled. Uh, God forbid, you know, people actually know that she's not even black, right? Um, just V. Uh, Drailing says uh, that doesn't fit their narrative. Agreed. Philly Q says the blacks were black owned slaves sold to the Muslims. Yup, more history, more stuff that they just don't care to focus on or teach people. Instead, they're all wrapped up within these uh, indentured servants that came off a pirated ship from Portugal and landed in Virginia. Babs the Ice Queen says, you should see the celebrations they hold at the site they claim is where they landed here in Virginia in 1619. Is that the place on the beach where they have like that, that brick or the stone wall that's right on the surf? I think I saw a picture of that. Yes, always in Texas. I did burp. 
<laughs> Looking up says, this can all be stopped by applying the laws we already have and abide by the Constitution. Teaching this is treason against America. I would say it's definitely something that works against uh, uh, the values of America and the Constitution. Speaking these, he says, CRT equals Common Core history. Uh, yeah, they're going to mess up. They're going to mess up our history, and they're going to mess up our families, just like math was messed up by Common Core. Um, uh, Babsy Ice Queen says her great 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 grandfather came to America as an Irish slave. Yet another piece of history that they don't teach. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of Caucasian and light skinned individuals came to America as slaves and indentured servants. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that, right? We're not going to talk about that. Um, uh, Just V asks, what happens to a bi or triracial person? I thought that was a good question. Where do they fit in in the midst of all of this CRT, right? And then that kind of made me think, what happens to someone who is transracial? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. I'm like, I'm transracial. I think I'm white. I mean, I think I'm black. Like, where do they fit in? Do they have a seat at the table? People who are transracial, like the people who are white that think that they're black or they want to be black or they say they're black inside. Like, do they get a pardon from CRT? That is the question of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think people uh, on the streets would be hard pressed to answer that question if you were to ask them that. Um, let's see here. Oh, Liz Garcia was in the house. They mentioned that already. Hey, Liz Garcia. And uh, the speak and easy. No critical thinking government decides for you. Yeah, they don't teach critical thinking or any type of uh, anything like that in the schools anymore. Sol Rico says, so what happens when you're biracial? Yep, you hate your white parent and relatives and anyone that's white, white siblings. Just V says at Speaking Easy, I've uh, I was always offended by the term. I'm not a colored piece of paper. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, uh, white people, right? Um, um, to that, Arbobot says, a Barbobot says, I identify as beige. And then Speaking Easy said, Just V, you must be pretty pasty. Just kidding. Speak uneasy. I was like uh, varying shades of beige, varying shades of apricot. I don't know. Um, our barbot, our barbobot, our barbobot. <laughs> Sorry, our barbobot gifted some gold pill shades. Liz Garcia gifted a gold pill cookie. Thank you so much. Always in Texas. I've been up uh, before four. The last two mornings, I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. Good night, friends. I had to mention that because I like the pu- I was like, oh, I was like, always in Texas turns into a pumpkin also. Good to know. Uh, Just V sounds like Louisiana needs to learn how to recall. Absolutely. After that last story we covered yesterday where they're going into a veto session. Yeah, they could probably take care of a lot of their problems if they did that. We also had Empress Beach to you in the house, Dave in Britain, Curious Cat, and Vanguard 360. I would say that that was a pretty fun chat recap from yesterday. I hope you guys had as much. I think you guys had as much fun as I did rereading that. So that was fun, guys. All right. Let's get into today's C-Report. Before we do that, let's see who we got in the chats. Hey, <laughs> you guys stop moving so fast. Let me, let me. Okay. We have with us here now D Patriot 1776, Texas Gal, Babs the Ice Queen, Blonde Blue Lady Q, Just V. We also have with us ladies and gentlemen hanging out. Thank you for the can of gold pills. Sue's the throat says Blonde Blue. Um, <laughs> 
Sorry. Uh, oh, my Ohio Kimmy. How you doing, Kimmy, with the cookie? Thank you so much. And then also uh, DPatriot1776. Thank you for the... It went away. <laughs> Where'd it go? Thank you for the cookie as well. We also got the blind spot. How's it going, the blind spot? Welcome to the Mr. C chat room. I'm sure everyone will make you feel nice and comfy here. If not, you will be comfy. No, just kidding. Uh, but it's always good to have uh, new peeps in the chat. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay, let me just hold on to the scroll bar here. So this way I can acknowledge the rest of the friends in the chat room today before we get on with the show. Ooh, you guys are going, 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 going. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Do -do. Who else we have here? My bad. Um... Do, 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 do. Oh, Desert Fire. How you doing, Desert Fire? Welcome to the chat show. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Okay, I think that might be it. Oh, Pilled by the Rabbit. How's it going, Pilled by the Rabbit? Good to see you. Liz Garcia, welcome, welcome. And one, two, three, SKG. Glad to have you with us tonight. Make sure I'm not passing up anybody. And you guys are also important to me. Blue Rinse at Blue Rinse. Philly Q, Sonia HJC, JHC. Good to have you guys with us. Okay, I think I'm caught up. And Drailing, welcome, welcome to tonight's show. Let's go ahead and get into, wait. Okay, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think I mentioned everyone that needs to be mentioned. Okay, cool. All right, now let's go ahead and get on with the C report tonight. Now, as always, for everyone and always, especially the people over on Twitch, you know they love this, the C report. Trump leads. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about President Trump. Now, we act, we do have quite a bit to talk about President Trump today. Uh, if you guys were with us this morning, we were actually uh, talking, uh, well, we actually aired the live press conference with President Trump involving him suing, uh, let's see, Google, Go Ogle, as I like to call them, um, as well as Twitter, and also Facebook. So that's some good news that's coming out of that. Before we jump into that, though, because, I mean, we're not going to watch the press conference, guys, because we aired it this morning. We were, we were doing it live. So if you missed it, you can check it out in our replays over at the Foxhole app. Um, and, you know, if not, I believe it's also available on other, um, other platforms as well. I just would not be privy to them uh, to tell you, but we are going to start with some statements from President Trump. Okay, so we had a statement from President Trump today in regards to a man by the name of Vito Fossella. Uh, he says, congratulations to Vito Fossella on winning the Republican primary for borough president of Staten Island. Now on to victory against a radical left Democrat. Vito will be representing the greatest people on earth and he will never let you down. I love Staten Island, says President Trump. Okay, so uh, Vito Pusella. I had to look up Mr. Vito Fosella because I wasn't exactly sure who this man was. Um, but apparently he does have a rich history in uh, the United States Congress. Okay, maybe it's not so rich, uh, but he used to be in Congress. He was a representative for the state of Florida. And apparently, apparently he got caught up into some uh, controversy about 12 years ago. Uh, so Vita Fasello, who's uh, just been um, named as the primary candidate for Staten Island in, uh, what, what was that again? 
uh, for a borough of Staten Island. Uh, let's see here. It says that uh, he was a congressman uh, who won the Republican nomination uh, for the borough of the fifth borough, the fifth borough, which is in Staten Island, after being away from politics for 12 years. He was a seven-term congressman who opted not to seek re-election for his House seat in 2008 after a drunk driving bust in Virginia revealed that he was quietly keeping a second family. Um, but apparently he had a couple of other things on in his past. Uh, he was a late entrant into the, in, he was late entrant into the race for uh, um, this uh, fifth borough in Stan, uh, Staten Island. And uh, um, he uh, actually captured the vote with 9,306 9, votes, which was 50.8% to the 9,016 votes against uh, Councilman Stephen Mateo. Um, so he won by 290 votes after absentee ballots were counted, and uh, he will be the primary Republican going up against the current uh, uh, lead boroughsman there in Staten Island. So, uh, And it sounds like, I mean, I guess that's not like an official endorsement, but it could be. I mean, he's congratulating Vito Mosella. So, I mean, you know, he's not saying I officially endorse him, but there you go. That's the man, Vito Mosella. All right. Okay. So that was one of the statements. Now, of course, the next statement is in regards to President Trump's press conference. Now, if you ask me, wherever they got this picture from, they definitely uh, augmented it somehow because we watched it live, guys, and uh, his face was not that orange this afternoon. <laughs> it was not. I'm just going to call it like I see it. You know, even his hair is orange. Like, I think that they did something to him because it did not look like he did not look like that this afternoon. Go back and watch my replay. You can see for yourself that his face was not that orange this afternoon. He looked like a light beige, right? He looked like a light beige. Okay, he was not. Uh, he was not fresh out of the tanning spray salon. So, anyways, you know that the, you know that the media does crap like that. Of course, I mean, if you don't, then you're obviously on Twitch. Um, so in a statement from President Trump, he said the fake news and big tech and Dems coordinated attacks on the millions of people in our country um, who called the 2020 president election disgraceful and corrupt is failing. More and more people are calling it rigged and stolen. I mean, yeah, I mean, because it's true. And uh, fortunately, there are some outlets that are covering this news and giving you up to the date uh, minute by minute. Uh, coverage on developments that are happening and, you know, aren't just sitting on our laurels waiting for a decision to be made before we talk about it. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about Trump suing big tech companies. It was a pretty exciting moment for us. He had said that he was going to have he said that he was going to have an announcement to make that was in support of the First Amendment, something big. We all speculated about it. You guys know how hard I speculated about it. And I was going way off into all kinds of fields. But uh, the suing aspect of it, I thought, was brilliant, actually, because quite soon we're going to see big tech such as Facebook, Twitter and GoOgle becoming obsolete they're going to become obsolete. And before this happens, uh, we're going to see them bleed out all of their funds, right? And we're also going to see them be made examples of. They will be made examples of 
because of the things that they did and uh, the actions that they took that they thought that they would be protected forever by doing. But they definitely overplayed their hands, they overstayed their visit, and they overreached their control when it came down to the American people, the conservatives, and those who have uh, who support America and are America first. We have They had no right to treat us the way that they did. They had no right to do the things that they did. And if they want to call themselves uh, true true people of freedom or people who believe in free speech, they would not have taken the actions that they did. Okay. But this is, this is people who have become caught up in their own hubris. These are people who have become arrogant, who think that they control the narrative and think that they control the path. And we know that in fact, that that is basically what was going on. We know in fact that they were trying to control a narrative and that they were doing it by means of their own businesses and corporations using government protections to do it. And now we are calling them to task um, in regards to today's press uh, conference, which happened uh, at um, uh, which ha took place over at uh, President Trump's Bedminster, New Jersey property, um, he was uh, he was issuing lawsuits um, about protecting the freedom of speech, a First Amendment right for Americans and abroad. I mean, this would go abroad if you ask me. We'll talk about another story that's international about this in just a second. Now, the suit's name, specifically Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, Google um, Go Ogle, and uh, CEO uh, Sundar Pichai, and uh, Twitter and CEO Jack Dorsey for violating First Amendment rights. Uh, he gave about a 30-minute speech where he cited several different examples of what he considered censorship, including social media sites flagging or removing content, questioning whether the new coronavirus was uh, released at the Wuhan lab in China. Um, he also had several people in, uh, join him on stage at the event, including one Kelly Victory that was not present, but Trump gave a great lead up to Kelly Victory. It's a shame he wasn't there, um, <coughs> but there, pardon me, but there also was a teacher who was there um, who had posted about wearing masks in an attempt to stop the spread of the virus and was censored. So Trump said that there will be thousands of people joining this lawsuit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a class action lawsuit. So you know who you are. You know where you are. Now is the time to jump in on this if you have suffered censorship at the hands of big tech. Because let's face it, CNN ain't going to cover this. You know, the big media outlets aren't going to cover this. Fortunately, there are enough people who are aware and awake on the Internet who will be paying attention to this. Fortunately enough, there are enough people who are into the independent media that will be covering this. You know, I went through a whole bunch of them, cycled through them to see, make sure everyone was talking about it. And um, basically, you know, uh, it, it does it does CNN no good to cover this. Do you know why it does CNN to do no good to cover this type of uh, press conference? Because none of their audience have ever been censored. So, you know, I can understand them not covering it. It, it, it has nothing to do with their audience. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me if you're asking. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Did Fox cover it? I did not look at the Fox website. I would not be surprised if they didn't. Uh, they probably didn't cover it because they don't believe in free speech either over there at Fox News. Ha ha. Um, okay, so let's see what else we got here in regards to this. Um, uh, Trump was also joined by the Institute's, uh, let's see here, it was a... Uh, um, 
Oh, I didn't have that here. Okay. Well, he was joined by Linda McMahon. <laughs> I think it was the America First Institute and also Brooke Rollins. Uh, the suit will be filed in U.S. District Court in Southern District of Florida and will ask a judge to order an immediate halt to social media companies' alleged shadow banning, censoring, blacklisting, and canceling people who express political viewpoints outside the mainstream. And so you would want to go to www.takeonbigtech.com if you wanted any more information about this lawsuit. In fact, why don't we go there now, ladies and gentlemen? Let's put that up on the screen for you. Join us at Take On Big Tech. And uh, yes, that's the America First Policy Institute, constitutionallitigationpartnership.com, um, or just go to takeonbigtech.com and it'll take you right over to this website. I've already signed up. All you have to do is uh, fill out your name. Oh, look, it has all my personal information there. Let me go ahead and go over here. Oh, all my personal information. <laughs> it's okay. You guys already know my name anyways, but not my phone number. Okay. Um, but you share your story here also. So I've already, you guys better not go back and pause that. No, just kidding. I'm just playing you guys. Uh, but yeah, no, you share your story here, right? <laughs> And then once you share, I mean, I shared my story. I'm already, I already got dibs on that. So I don't know what happens from there, but you know, apparently what they are doing is it is just, uh, where is this at? Is that, that is okay. Uh, I guess they will send you information. And then from there, uh, I guess they see what happens. Now, I don't know if by sharing your story, that means that you will enjoin them on this class action lawsuit. I, I haven't gotten that far in my life. Uh, but it is still very good information to have. I would I would encourage everyone to go ahead and share their story uh, to get that to get be a part of that mailing list so they can keep you abreast on all the information that will be coming in regards to this class action lawsuit. He's expecting thousands of Americans to join him on this class action lawsuit, and certainly in the circles that we move in, ladies and gentlemen, it should be uh, one of those things that we take a look at. Um, another way to definitely jump on to what is going on there. It was a great press conference. I'd have to say we had a bunch of friends this morning hanging out. It was a good time, ladies and gentlemen. It was a good time. So anyways, that's uh, takeonbigtech.com. Don't forget it. And uh, make sure you pop in over there and check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Share your story. Share your story of censorship and uh, and uh, shadow banning and everything. It's happened to all of us, basically. All of us have experienced it at one point or another, just in varying degrees. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk a little bit more about big tech since we're on this topic, since President Trump has just laid a smackdown uh, filing this lawsuit against big tech. Uh, we have another story coming, by the way, of big tech involving this man. Jim Jordan of I of Ohio, Jim Jordan. So Jim Jordan is also taking on big tech. He has released an agenda that will hold big tech accountable for censorship as well. So they have a lawsuit coming their way and they have this also coming out. Now, uh, the story says that Republican representative Jim Jordan announced Wednesday an agenda by House Judiciary Committee Republicans to take on big tech to create more transparency, strengthen 
strengthen antitrust enforcement and hold companies accountable for supposed censorship against conservatives. House Judiciary Republicans would also empower state attorneys general, um, which would allow them to use the same fast track procedures available to the federal government to litigate antitrust cases in optimal timeframes. So basically what Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee is doing is they are setting out a statement to hold uh, hold big tech to three different things, which is the speed, accountability, and transparency. Now, in uh, the um, press, in, in the statement released from the House Judiciary Committee, I'll go ahead and bring that on the screen for you guys. And I'll also expand it a little so it's easier for my eyes to read. Um, it says here, the House Judiciary Republican agenda for taking on big tech. Big tech is out to get conservatives. Leader McCarthy has put forth a Republican framework to stop big tech rooted in America, first principles, and the rule of law. Consistent with this framework, uh, House Judiciary Republicans intend to pursue a collaborative and open process toward a conservative approach to tackling this challenge. This document expands on the Republican framework and pre presents specific proposals that will speed up and strengthen antitrust enforcement, hold big tech accountable for its censorship, and increase transparency around big tech's decisions. So uh, under the column of speed, um, their plan is uh, their plan accelerates overdue antitrust scrutiny. The laws currently on the books can and should be used to break up big tech. The problem has been, however, that these actions take too long and they allow companies years of legal maneuvering. An important step is to speed up this process and incentivize robust challenges to the dominance of tech platforms. The conservatives' response should include the following. Expedited trial court consideration. In the early 20th century, Congress required courts to aggressively apply antitrust laws. Consistent with the Expediting Act of 1903, this proposal would require faster treatment of antitrust cases against big tech companies at the trial court, create an adequate record for any appeal, and ultimately ensure speedy justice in the fight against big tech. It would direct appeal to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Antitrust cases take so long to litigate in part because of the length of the appellate process. Um, borrowing again from aspects of the Expediting Act of 1903, this proposal would speed up consideration of these cases by providing for a direct appeal to the Supreme Court and requiring the Supreme Court to act quickly when these cases get there. And finally, empower state attorneys general. State attorneys general are crucial partners in enforcing our nation's antitrust laws. Several states have started or joined cases targeting big tech. This proposal would allow state attorneys general to utilize the same fast track procedures available to the federal government so that they will be on equal footing for their cases. Next, accountability. Our plan subjects big tech to legal accountability for its censorship. Platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube are functionally the public square of the digital age. It is wrong that these platforms control and censor speech with impunity, but it is nearly impossible for Americans to seek a remedy against big tech censorship decisions in court. In addition, the current regulatory regime divides enforcement between two unrelated agencies, creating an inefficient and unaccountable process. The conservative response to holding big tech accountable should include a cause of action to empower Americans. 
For far too long, big tech has been able to censor the views of conservatives with effectively uh, no recourse available to those affected. This proposal would recreate a statutory basis for Americans to directly challenge big tech in court for its censorship and silencing of conservatives. Overhauling big tech's liability shield. Congress passed Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to allow internet platforms to moderate unlawful or offensive content on their platforms. Big tech has exploited this protection to make subjective content moderation decisions, often in a manner harmful to conservative voices. This proposal will ensure that any content moderation decisions are done in good faith based on objectively reasonable criteria and in accord with particularized rules. Consolidated Antitrust Enforcement Authority. The current system of splitting antitrust enforcement between the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission is inefficient and counterproductive. The arbitrary divisions of labor enforcement radical Biden bureaucrats at the expense of Americans. This proposal will consolidate antitrust enforcement within the Department of Justice so that it is more effective and accountable. And finally, transparency. Our plan brings transparency to big tech's con content moderation decisions. Not only are the platforms currently immunized from lawsuits regarding their censorship, but all of their decisions about who to censor are made in secret. Recognizing that these platforms function as the main vessel for speech in the modern era, this plan for bringing transparency to big tech should include content moderation transparency. Big tech's content moderation decisions can be imposed summarily and with little justification. This proposal will require that for large platforms, content moderation decisions and censorship must be listed with specifically and particularity on a publicly available website. A platform's failure to do so would result in a massive fine. So those are the three tenets of this, uh, um, this bill or law they're trying to get through. Transparency as well as accountability and speed. Uh, and, you know, if you guys know anything about, um, like, the uh, uh, the uh, antitrust laws that they were enacting, of course, we know back then they would antitrust against the banks, against the steel um, um, operations uh, to make sure people were not monopolizing those uh, tenants um, or those aspects of uh, business and life back when, back in the day. So I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of good. I think it is good, not kind of. I think it's good that they're trying to implement the same type of urgency around big tech. Um, I know this is also another thing that has been long time coming. We know that there are a couple of states in the United States of America that have already initiated moves against big tech, some with more teeth than others. But I think with this lawsuit being passed or uh, this lawsuit happening with President Trump, the class action, and also other elements that we're going to see more people stepping up to the plate in that regard. And uh, indeed, um, we see that this is something that uh, the House uh, Judiciary Committee is taking on with Jim Jordan. But now Jim Jordan did not specify when the committee would enact any of these steps in their proposal. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. And uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we will take it from there. We'll bring that uh, to you guys as soon as more information comes out. Now, in the next story about big tech and uh, people going up against them, we have India on the forefront again. Yep, ladies and gentlemen, India is again taking Twitter to task. Now, we know that there was a raid on the Twitter offices in India about maybe a month ago or so, maybe three three weeks to a month ago. And they were going after them because uh, they had uh, deplatformed, I believe, their president. 
Um, and so uh, they were, you know, kind of trying to figure out like what the heck's going on here. Well, now India is coming out um, with another move against Twitter. Um, so in India, Twitter is facing a move by the government of India to potentially hold it liable for user-generated content with Indian officials claiming that the social media company has failed to adhere to the country's new technology laws. The Indian Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology said in a court filing on Monday that Twitter has failed to comply with New Delhi's IT Rules 2021 law which seeks in part to empower ordinary users of social media platforms and over-the-top platforms with a mechanism for redressal and timely resolution of their grievances. Uh, the Indian government argued in a filing that Twitter has failed to follow these rules and that failure to observe the IT rules of 2021 results in provisions of Section 791 of the IT Act 2000 not being applicable to such an intermediary. Now, Section 791 of the IT Act 2000 directs that no person providing any service as a ne network service provider shall be liable for any third-party information or data made available by him so long as the provider pro proves that the offense or contravention was committed without his knowledge or that he had exercised all due diligence to prevent the commission of such offense or contravention. Okay, uh, the loss of the ability liability protection in India, which is in fact the world's second largest internet market by user base, could serve as a major loss for Twitter if the company should suddenly become responsible for user-generated content posted on its servers there. So they're looking again at kind of a loss of their section of 230, Twitter over there in India. And uh, I mean, things are just coming down around for them. So uh, I would say this is overdue in my opinion. And apparently Twitter's running the same shenanigans in other countries that they are doing in the United States of America. And I think it is just so that uh, this kind of thing takes place. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's where we're going to wrap it up for big tech woes. Woes for the big tech and the things that they will soon start to suffer. What is that, what is that saying about bringing pain? I think we're going to start to see some pain come by way of these big tech giants. Let's go ahead and hop on over to Arizona. All right. Arizona. So what do we got going on in Arizona? We're going to start talking a little bit about some of the things that are going on in Arizona. There is a bit of news. Uh, I thought there was a bit of good news that was coming out of Arizona, honestly. Uh, now, um, of course, they're still trying to finish up the audit over there in Arizona. They're still um, they're still going to move forward, from my understanding, with uh, trying to push the subpoena that the uh, Senate uh, issued against the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, Maricopa County, basically, because they don't want to turn over the machines. This is the same old sing-song story, right? Same old sing-song story. Maricopa County supervisors do not want to turn over the routers. They do not want to turn over the logins and the passwords for the Dominion machines. They're trying to push this out as far as they can. Same old sing-song story. We have Katie Schnobs, Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of Snakes over there, Secretary of Lies, really, just spinning, uh, spitting more uh, venom out of her mouth, spitting more lies, weeding more tales. Um, and so we know that most recently, 
Katie Snobs resorted to a weighing of ballots to be her big proof. That was her her big smoking gun against the big lie, right? According, but I mean, we all know that she's the big lie. She's the big liar who thinks that she can get elected as Arizona's governor. Good luck, Katie. In fact, since we're talking about Katie, why don't we put her mug on the screen? Oh, there's Katie Schnobs in, in her, um, well, I'm not one to talk about weight. So, yeah, there's Katie Schnobs. Okay, all right. So what was going on with Katie Schnobs? Of course, we know she is the, she is the mother of lies over there in uh, Arizona. She's the secretary of snakes. Uh, she's not to be trusted. She completely uh, undermines and uh, insults her base and her constituency by telling lies like what? There, that she's for election integrity? We know she's not for election integrity. She's for saving her own butt is what she is. That's why she's been um, she's been writhing so heavily, uh, trying to uh, uh, lie enough to get out of it. But of course, let's let's take let's take a look at co- some of the uh, blows that uh, will come to Katie Schnobs. What's the most latest things that we got going on with Katie Schnobs? Well, uh, we know for a fact that. Uh, Katie Schnobs um, was uh, basically uh, basically um, uh, in on this breach that happened. And we talked to you guys about this maybe two episodes ago. Maybe it was on Monday uh, where uh, um, um, constitutional lawyer Matthew DiPerno basically broke some news on Bannon's war room where he was telling them that there was a breach of the electoral management system there in Arizona. And they had known about it since November, but neither Maricopa County nor Katie Schnobbs, the secretary of state decided to say anything about it. God, these uh, secretary of snakes, they're pretty good at sitting on information, kind of like uh, Brad Raffensperger over in Georgia was sitting on all this information that he knew as of election night. And he decided to say nothing until it was too late. Well, Katie Schnobbs hasn't fessed up to anything in regards to sitting on information. Uh, But uh, unfortunately for her, um, the people of Arizona hold on to letters that they get from their board of directors. And uh, in this case, uh, we had Matthew DiPerno again talking about a breach that occurred within the electoral management system in uh, the state of Arizona in Maricopa County. Uh, Katie Schnobbs knew about it. Um, you know, the uh, Maricopa County recorder, he knew about it. Okay. And uh, uh, they chose to do nothing. They chose not to talk about it. They chose to keep it under wraps. But all things come to light, as they say. And indeed, we've got a copy of that letter. Oh, wrong letter. Here we go. Okay. So uh, this was a letter that a voter sent in. I believe it was to the Gateway Pundit um, in regards to the breach that occurred in the state of Arizona in Maricopa County. Stephen Richer, right? He's the guy that uh, lives in the state of denial, right? Um, And he's the recorder there who is all about making elections boring again. Because when elections are boring... Nobody pays attention to them, and I can just go about my job twiddling my thumbs and uh, uh, giving in to the people who've invested in me, right? That's what that's what Stephen Richer thinks over there, the man who lives in denial in Maricopa County as the office recorder. Um, okay, so uh, this was the letter uh, that basically uh, blows the cover on uh, uh, Katie Schnobbs in Maricopa County. It says, Dear Voter, I'm writing to inform you of a recent security incident involving your voter record. This past November, an unauthorized individual gathered information from our website. Our IT security department immediately identified the attack and suddenly took uh, successfully took steps to stop the activity. 
The information acquired did not contain sensitive personal information, such as social security numbers and driver's license numbers. Only the information of your voter identification card, such as your name, address, political party, and voter ID. An example of your voter ID is enclosed. Importantly, the information obtained does not identify you as a protected voter, and there is no way for the individual to determine your status from the information obtained. At this time, we have no reason to believe that the unauthorized individual has shared or disclosed any of the information. The case has been passed on to the appropriate law enforcement authorities, and our office immediately put security measures into place to prevent this from ever occurring again. So that's pretty bad, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to be caught on a lie like that, Katie Schnobs. You definitely don't want to be caught on a lie like that, especially when you're running for governor of Arizona. Like, if you're untrustworthy and you're already insulting your people by gaslighting them, which is basically just lying to them about your position in regards to election integrity and also what's actually going on in your own state then you are just an untrustworthy snake, Katie Hobbs. So I think you should just probably uh, lay down your gavel and, you know, you're not going to, she's not going to make it, ladies and gentlemen. I see this woman sinking quickly when it comes to Maricopa County and also her position for running for governor. Like, it's just, I don't know what uh, uh, dream world she lives in, basically. Um, so also here we have, um, so that was one blow that was coming to, that Katie Schnobbs has to come to terms with, right? Katie Schnobbs has to come to terms with that because she just got found out to be a big old fat liar, right? Because she said it wasn't true. She said nothing happened. I mean, aside from not reporting it to anyone, she just, you know, denied it. Now, here's the second thing. Now, here's another thing. This is a blow. Now, this is kind of a lie, right? She has decided that uh, they are not going to be, pardon me, they are not going to be using any of the voting machines that they used in the 2020 election because of the fact that unaccredited auditors laid their hands on them. And since unaccredited auditors laid their hands on them, basically they could be messed up for the rest of their voting machine career. And they can't be trusted because there's no telling what these unaccredited auditors might have done to them behind closed doors, right? So, uh, I mean, this is in essence a lie because um, we know that uh, these people take their business and their jobs seriously. I mean, uh, Cypher, for example, uh, you know, they've actually audited several government agencies all the way at the top. They're the ones who discovered the, uh, the uh, passport hack back in what, 2016, 2017? Anyways, rest assured, someone like, uh, someone like uh, Karen Fan, Senate president over there in Arizona, would most definitely respond. She was like, okay, Katie. You want to say that? Well, allow me to retort. So this is what Katie, uh, this is what um, Karen Fan had to say in regards to uh, Katie Schnobbs's claim that uh, they were no longer going to use those machines because they've been defiled. They've been defiled by unaccredited auditors. Uh, so Karen said, the Senate has concerns about the latest accusations from uh, the Secretary of State and Maricopa County regarding replacing the machines used in the election over concerns they are safe to use. 
Maricopa County hired firms to perform audits from the 2020 election and relied on their logic and accuracy tests to declare the equipment safe to use and tamper-free. The county can now use those same LNA tests after the Senate audit. <laughs> That's funny, guys. Okay, so apparently Maricopa County uses some type of test before every election to make sure that those machines are safe and reliable. So basically, Karen Fenn is just saying, well, now that the audit is over, just use the same tests and then you don't have to you know, you don't have to cost all your taxpayers all this money, right? You don't have to, you don't have to make them waste all this taxpayer money on buying new machines, right? Like she totally caught her. She totally caught her in a vice grip. Um, it says here, if it can't, if Maricopa County can't use these LNA machines, their LNA tests are invalid. And if their machines can't undergo a forensic audit to verify what happened in an election, that it never should have approved those machines to be used in an election in the first place. She's got Katie Schnobs totally cornered, guys. Like, she's got her backed up against the wall. She's like, look here, Katie Schnobs. Look here. You're not going to cost these taxpayers of Arizona more money. You're not going to lie and say that my, and basically to like, what, undermine, undermine the work that these auditors have done. Look here, Katie Schnobs, look here. That's some funny stuff right there. Okay. She says, remember, the Senate asked numerous times for the audit to be conducted with the county at their facilities with a mutual auditor. Maricopa County refused loading up pallets of ballots on a truck, sending out pictures on social media, and asking, where do you want them delivered? Hardly the behavior of an entity truly concerned about election integrity. Integrity, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm talking about, and that's what a lot of these people lack. So yeah, integrity, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, so poor Katie Schnobs. We don't know what's going to happen to her. I could kind of guess what's going to happen to Katie Schnobs, honestly. But, uh, you know, I think I'll just wait for the headlines to spell it out for us because it'll be a much funner time if we do it that way. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're still not done with Arizona yet. Arizona is basically setting itself on fire again. Uh, they're going hard, guys. They're going really hard when it comes to election integrity. Not only do they have this uh, forensic audit that they are going to be doing of, uh, I mean, completing soon, not just doing, but they're actually completing it soon. Not only do they have that going on, but now they are looking at ballot integrity. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ballot integrity. Let me see. Is this what I have here? Oh, no, we already looked at that. Yeah, ballot integrity. Let me get this on the screen for you guys. We got some good stuff here, some really good stuff. <clears throat> now, um, Mark Fincham, you guys might remember him. Uh, he is currently running for um, AG over there in the state of Arizona. He's also a congressional representative. He's the man pictured in the corner down here. 
that's Mark Fincham right there. Um, he's he's been pretty active in um, uh, supporting the forensic audit over there in Maricopa County. But now we're going to talk about ballot integrity. I don't know if you guys have heard about this yet, or if you know what's going on with this ballot integrity. Now, do you guys remember when Vernon Jones was over in Arizona and he took a picture of a holographic ballot with watermarks and everything on it? Do you guys remember? That's what this is about, ladies and gentlemen. That is 100% what this is about. So uh, Mark Fincham basically breaks down about Ballot Integrity Project in Arizona, uh, talking about how um, he hopes to make uh, the Ballot Integrity Project, excuse me, hopes to make the voting process more transparent by adding controls that provide more transparency to the overall election process. Uh, like I said, Arizona is definitely leading the charge here. They've got the gold standard of uh, forensic audits for all states involved. And now they're going to show the rest of America how to hold their ballots to the utmost highest security that you could possibly imagine. Uh, the project is an effort to protect elections by adding watermarks to the ballot to prevent invalid ballots from being added to the election. In addition, each ballot will include, include a unique identifier where the voter can, be, can in the future look at their vote. At a small cost, Arizonans could have ballot integrity and vote integrity by implementing this initiative. Um, has it pricked any of your ears yet, my friends? Let's take a look at a video from Mark Fincham about Arizona Ballot Integrity Project. And this is good, guys. I'm super excited that they're doing this. It's it's downright amazing, y'all. So uh, here's that video. We'll go ahead and give him our attention for a few minutes. Hi, this is Arizona Representative Mark Fincham, candidate for Secretary of State. I'd like to talk to you for a moment about a project we've been working on at the Capitol called the Arizona Ballot Integrity Project. It's a full-spectrum transparency project to give Arizona voters confidence in their election. Ballot integrity is part of the election process. Ballot integrity relies on fraud countermeasures. That's to keep the fakes out of the system. Election integrity relies on full-spectrum transparency. Putting sunshine on something is a great disinfectant. We can have full-spectrum transparency by making every ballot image a public record available to everyone all the time. There's no reason not to do this. The U.S. Treasury relies on currency-grade fraud countermeasures, meaning they have UV light reactive bills from the dollar bill to the five to the 10, even to the hundred. You'll notice stripes, fluorescence, all manner of countermeasures. And after all, aren't our ballots just as valuable as our money? This is an Arizona ballot replica, but there's been a change. And you'll notice that this is the future state of our ballots, a watermark that is also UV light reactive, but there's more. A QR code in the upper left-hand corner will give every ballot a unique voter number. Only the voter will know that number. You can track your ballot through the entire system to ensure that your ballot is counted and that it was counted the way you cast it. At the same time, you'll be able to look at your ballot in future days online after it's been tabulated and stored on the system. 
Now let's talk about the microprint. You notice waves on the watermark. You notice the valid word. But what you might not have seen is the 500 micron printing that says Arizona State. We're not endorsing ASU. It's simply the state of Arizona. You'll also notice a ballot hologram. This is translucent mylar on the lower left-hand corner of the ballot. And it's built into the holographic watermark. So how much will all this cost? To have cost-effective ballot security, voter privacy protected, public record protection, a trust but verify system that supports ballot integrity, voter integrity, and election integrity. That's right, 25 cents a ballot. By making every ballot image available to everybody all the time, we come close to making the forensic audit obsolete. Voting should not be a question mark. Voting should be in secret, but the counting should never be. Let's put innovation to work for the people. My name is Mark Fincham, and I ask for your vote. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is pretty freaking cool, if you ask me. I am super stoked about that. You heard it costs only 25 cents a ballot. 25 cents a ballot. It'll have a QR code. It'll have um, it'll have uh, holograms on it. It'll be watermarked. It'll be UV specific. How could you go wrong with that? Everything that we've heard of, oh, wait, my bad. <laughs> Everything that we've heard about these watermark ballots and yet now this is coming forward. I mean, if we move that way, with ballots in the future and it's done across all 50 states like this is again arizona is again leading the way with this guys it's pretty crazy um then we'll we'll indeed see uh i think real like real very near total um election integrity all right guys we're about to move on to the state of pennsylvania don't forget when i get to georgia let me know if you want me to keep on going because i can i <laughs> Anyways, okay, uh, real quick before I continue, 123SKG, thank you for gifting the can. Also, Liz Garcia gifting a can and the Blind Spot gifting some shades and Blue Rents at Blue Rents gifting a cookie. I appreciate the gold pill donations coming this way, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a fun time. Looks like we got Gary Flessner in the house as well, Philly Q. Looks like you guys are having a good old time in the chat. So, Carrie Lake, how's it going, Carrie Lake? Good to see you uh, in the chat today. And let's see, I'm just gonna see if there's anyone else brand new in the chat. I haven't agreed it yet already. Uh, and one, two, three, SKG, how do you do? Um, let's see here. Okay, you guys are having a good time. I like it, I like it, I like it. Okay, let's keep on going, ladies and gentlemen. Disco Daphne, hey, Disco Daphne, good to see you as well. Glad to have you with us today. All right, let's talk a little bit about Pennsylvania. I'm sure you guys have heard about Pennsylvania already. You guys already know Pennsylvania is on the way to forensic audit. Now, okay, for a fact, um, I would say Georgia. I was like, Georgia, it's going to be Georgia. Georgia is the one that is going to be doing the next forensic audit. And then all of the shenanigans that was going on in Georgia started to come out, right? 
So everyone there was basically like, okay, I mean, there's some more stuff on Georgia that's coming out, guys. Like the worst I think of it were the notes that were taken by Brad Raffensperger's attorney's panty boy, who's taking the notes that they were giving to his attorney. Was it Ryan Germany? And then, you know, and moving those on to Brad Raffensperger, they knew that there was chain of custody issues. They knew that there were people that didn't care who were working there. They knew that Ab- Stacey Abrams stink was all over the employees that worked at the State Farm Arena in the state of Georgia. You guys proud of me? I remembered. They knew that there was video of Ruby Freeman and Shay Wanda Sykes. No, just kidding. <laughs> Shay Moss. And uh, what was the other guy? Rudy Freeman or no, Rudy, Rudy something or other. Rudy. We'll call him Rudy. They knew there was video of these guys double stuffing ballots through the machines, triple stuffing, quadruple stuffing, quintuple stuffing. They even had it in the notes from Brad Raffensperger's attorney's panty boy that they were double stuffing and triple stuffing ballots. Like he even had it in his notes. Okay, so with all of that stuff coming to light, with the fact that Ruby Freeman was subpoenaed, with the fact that Wanda Shamos was subpoenaed, all of this stuff Now, my tune is maybe they'll just decertify Georgia altogether. Like we'll have the Arizona audit complete and done, right? Report coming out. We'll move on to Pennsylvania, the Keystone State. Don't forget, Pennsylvania is the Keystone State. And we'll get that forensic audit put away and done. I I wonder how quick they'll move. I don't think they're auditing quite as many ballots in Pennsylvania, but it is going to be possibly multiple counties, guys, not just one county. I mean, Maricopa County is like, what, 60% of the vote in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. But multiple counties might be in play in Pennsylvania for an audit. So that's actually very exciting. So we'll have uh, the Arizona audit done and kaput report coming out. We'll have the Pennsylvania audit done and kaput report coming out. We'll decertify Georgia just because it was totally whack and obvious. And then with those three states combined... They could possibly flip the electoral vote. think it's quite possible. I think that's a game plan that is feasible. But again, that is only speculation. So we'll have to wait and see what happens when it happens. Uh, but in regards to Pennsylvania, yes, indeed. Pennsylvania Senate chairman initiates a forensic probe of the 2020 and 2021 elections. Now, don't forget. They had a primary over there in Pennsylvania back at the beginning of May, and that was all messed up. It was all jacked up. There were several disenfranchised Republicans and conservatives and one pissed off Democrat, right? So, okay, so back then it was a a Pennsylvania senator announced that he's triggered a forensic investigation into the 2020 and 2021 elections. That would be one man by the name of uh, Senator Doug Mastriano. He is a Republican and he issued a letter to several counties requesting information and materials that he said would enable the investigation. Mastriano said, it's distinct from an audit or forensic audit. It's a deep dive is what he calls it. He says, like we saw in Arizona, but even deeper. Mr. Mastriano, I don't know how you can go deeper than Arizona. They weighed their trucks three times, but we'll see what he says. It takes a hard look at software, machines, scanners, in addition to looking at all the ballots themselves to see if they were hand-filled or copied by a machine. 
So a scientific approach to get to the bottom of what happened, what went right, what went wrong in an election, it takes out all the bias. So, Mr. Doug Mastriano, I mean, I don't know. We don't know if they were looking at these uh, different uh, avenues of an audit at Arizona because they have remained steadfast with integrity in regards to not leaking information about that audit. So we'll take your word at it, Senator Mastriano. We're just glad that you're getting this done. Okay, let me see here. Do that. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, guys. I have a picture of the guy. Here is Senator Mastriano, just in case you wanted to know what he looked like. All right. So um, let's see. Philadelphia County was one of the uh, uh, one of the counties that received a letter asking for this information. That was Philadelphia County as well as York County and Tioga counties. They were asked to send over hard copies of ballots and other election materials. Um, Mastriano expects a court battle to play out and is ready to go to his committee and request subpoena power if the counties don't comply or indicate their unwillingness to comply by July 31st. So we'll see. I mean, this is just in the starts. This is just in the makings. Um, but it would be really nice to get, you know, another two or three audits going before the end of the year, right? At least we're already halfway through the year. Let's get this rolling, guys. Now, a deputy of Philadelphia, um, a deputy for Philadelphia Commissioner Omar Sabir, who is a Democrat, said that he believes the elections were run freely and secure. Of course, they all say that. He said that the commissioners are consulting with the city's law department on the request from the state Senate. Um, <clears throat> now, in an op opinion, uh, an editorial opinion sent to news outlets, Mastriano charged that there is a strong case for an investigation, noting that 2.7 million ballots um, were counted in the 2020 election, compared to 263,000 in prior presidential elections. So that's actually a pretty big difference, guys. He also noted that many of the ballots were counted without signature verification. Smells like Georgia all over again, even all the way up in Pennsylvania. Federal law mandates that counties keep records that are being sought for 22 months after an election. The counties were told to produce the information by July 31st. Let's look a little bit at that, op that editorial opinion from Mr. Mastriano. Senator, I should not disrespect him, right? Senator Mastriano, why I'm initiating a forensic investigation of the 2020 general election and 2021. A forensic investigation of our election results and process for the 2020 general election and the 2021 primary will go a long way to restore, our, uh, restore trust in our system. Uh, it says, uh, we have asked these counties to respond by July 31st with a plan to comply. The counties represent different geographical regions of Pennsylvania and differing political makeups. The Intergovernmental Operations Committee is standing committee of the Pres uh, Pennsylvania State Senate with oversight and uh, investigatory responsibilities regarding activities relating to or conducting between two or more government or government levels, including the administration of elections across the Commonwealth. This is necessary as millions of Pennsylvanians have serious doubts about the accuracy of the 2020 uh, January uh, general election. 
During debate on election reform a couple of weeks ago, some of my colleagues regrettably dismissed these polls, uh, poll numbers as an inconvenient truth and went on to assert that the only reason there is distrust in our election process was because of the conspiracy theories and lies from those they disagree with politically. It goes on. It goes on. Additionally, in the weeks leading up to the election, the Department of State repeatedly altered the manner in which Pennsylvania's election was conducted. Those who voted in person were held to a higher standard than those who mailed in their ballots. Signatures required for mail-in ballots were rendered meaningless as the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that ballots could not be rejected based on an analysis of the voter's signature. Now, real quick, on a note on that, on the analysis of the voter signature, I find it real interesting that the uh, Supreme Court ruled that they could not, uh, you know, decide based on an analysis of the vote signature. We need to remember that at this point, uh, um, it was uh, Secretary of State Brookvar. I don't remember her first name, but Secretary of State Brookvar had taken it upon herself to send an addendum, a memo to all of the county clerks and all of the people who are running these elections at the county level, giving them suggestions, tips, and rules and guidelines <coughs> on how to on how to receive these um, these signatures. You know, on how to assess whether or not these signatures matched the ballots, which she actually got in trouble for. She had to step away from her position, so to speak, because Pennsylvania already has rules in regards to how to match these signatures and the proper procedures that they should do. So for her to have done that, for then Secretary of Snakes, Brookvar, to have even suggested, even, even, even make an addendum, even to just say, hey, do it this way, not that way. Or, you know, she did it under the guise of trying to make it easier for them, right? But for her even to have suggested that was she was um, over overstepping her boundaries as Secretary of State. She was basically breaking the law because there was already rules and regulations and procedures in place for that to happen. Of course, these people filled with the hubris that they have and the arrogance think that they can get away with it. She did not. And has since stepped away from the position of Secretary of Snakes. Anyways, back to this uh, back to this uh, opinion piece here. It says, uh, on September 17th, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that the counties had to count ballots received up to three days after Election Day. A week before the election, the Department of State told the United States Supreme Court that ballots received after 8 p.m. on November 3rd would be segregated. But the department changed the rules two days before the election and directed counties to canvas those ballots upon receipt. The United States Supreme Court had to step in and order the counties to separate the ballots. Just hours before the polls opened on November 3rd, the department, uh, the department changed the rules again by providing late guidance on how to help voters whose mail-in absentee ballots were incorrectly completed. The guidance resulted in inconsistent application across the Commonwealth. Some counties uh, contacted voters as direct as directed, while others did not. 
there is no basis for that guidance in a current in current or case law. It would defy logic to assume that an election with the kinds of drastic changes we saw in 2020 was run perfectly with zero errors or fraud. Governor Wolf and the Secretary of State refused to conduct any type of thorough investigation despite the concerns of millions of citizens in the aftermath of the election and hundreds of affidavits alleging firsthand fraud, irregularities, and illegal behavior witnessed at polling places. The closest thing an investigation uh, to an investigation we got was a small so-called risk-limiting audit which consisted of a sample of only 45,000 randomly selected ballots from the November election. Not nearly the type of investigation that was needed to determine any fraud, misconduct, or technical anomalies. This audit was conducted by the Department of State and did not include public input or outside observers. Election process problems were not limited to 2020. During the May primary, multiple poll workers, uh, poll locations ran out of their supply of ballots. This occurred even though counties are required to print at least 10 percent, uh, 10 percent, at least 10 percent more ballots than the highest number of votes cast in any of the previous three municipal uh, primary elections. In some precincts, voting machines improperly labeled the headers of Republican ballots as Democrat, while the GOP races still appeared. In one county, a printing issue caused both Democrat and Republican ballots to be rejected. These errors occurred in a lower turnout election where mistakes should be least likely to occur. Finally, the damage to our election process will not be undone with the passing of time. I believe the only way to restore confidence in our Commonwealth's election process is to undertake a forensic investigation by doing this, faith in our election system will be restored. The people of our Commonwealth should have confidence that their vote counts. It takes accountability and transparency to ensure a free and fair election. So that was the uh, piece that was given out by um, uh, Senator Mastriano there. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we do also have that. That was his, that was an opinion editorial. I think it was more like a press release, if you ask me. Of course, they're seeing pushback from the Dems. Okay, let me get let me get Bannon off the screen here real quick because we're not quite to Bannon yet. I'm sorry, Mr. Bannon. We're still talking about Doug. Okay, let's get back to Doug. All right, so uh, they they do have pushback from the Dems there in Pennsylvania. Of course, they're gonna. I mean, he's already anticipating it. We already all anticipating it. We know that that's going to be the case. They did it in Arizona. They did it in Michigan. They've done it on a national level. Now, a Pennsylvania Attorney General, uh, Josh Sapiro, vowed during an appearance on MSNBC that he would fight back against the lawmakers who are trying to trigger this Arizona-style election audit in Pennsylvania. Um, also, Pennsylvania Senate Minority Leader, um, a bloke named Jay Costa, said that he opposes the investigation for a number of reasons, including that Mastriano's panel doesn't have the authority over the election process, and that even if he did, such an investigation would be uh, redundant because the 2020 election has been uh, audited and reviewed extensively. And of course, we just heard in uh, Doug, uh, Senator Mastriano's press release there that uh, only 45,000 ballots were actually considered during this supposed audit. True fraudits by any name. Um, now, the election assessor, the election assessment that was conducted in Fulton County 
uncovered several major issues, um, but the team that performed the review alleged that the election was well run and there were no signs of fraud despite the problems. So Mastriano hasn't yet chosen what firms he's going to use to carry out this audit in Pennsylvania. Um, it has begun. He's gotten the wheel rolling. Uh, he would prefer to use the same firms that worked in Arizona at Maricopa County. So that says something, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to pull the firms from Maricopa over to Pennsylvania, and they'll probably be headed to Michigan after that, right? Okay. All right. But he is saying that he would prefer to do a statewide audit, but right now they're just going to review several counties. And again, that was Pennsylvania County, Tioga County, as well as what was the last one, ladies and gentlemen? It was York County. So they're looking at those three counties right now. Now we can go ahead and now we have a brief interview with uh, uh, Doug Mastriano on Bannon's War Room. So we can sit back for a minute and take a look and uh, let's see what the uh, senator has to say. With Colonel State Senator Doug Mastriano. So Doug, just walk us through, Senator, exactly what your letter says, how you have jurisdiction over this. It's now, the, it's, it's now at the state Senate level. Walk our audience through why this is really the kickoff of the full forensic audit that's so needed in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for having me on. And you're right, it really started in Gettysburg, 25 November last year when Rudy and Jenna Ellis and others came in. And we had a bunch of witnesses come forth, and we were told it was a big lie. Actually, the big lie is on the other side, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia. And uh, no one investigated what happened with these people. The, the Senate and the House held various hearings to get to the bottom of, of the election and what went wrong. Uh, the governor just last week vetoed our election reform bill to address some of the concerns. But in the end, Steve, uh, all those hearings would have you never got to the bottom of what happened in 2020. A additionally, in 2021, the primary we just had, there was, there was some major issues as well. So as you rightly said, this morning, three letters went out to three of our 67 counties asking them to comply with my request as a standing committee chair, intergovernmental operations, to provide me not only the, the ballots, but also the machines and anything else used in handling or storing data regarding the election. And so we need to get to the bottom of it. You know, I was impressed by what I saw in Arizona. You know, obviously uh, going there for 36 hours, including all travel time, uh, you know, in the, the peak of summer, uh, we were there on business. And I saw what I needed to see and uh, realized uh, truly this sort of scientific approach to an election that takes out any bias, any partisanship, and just gets to the bottom of it and looks at the ballots not only counts the ballots, that's not enough. You know, the, the governor and, and his people keep on falling back that they that they had a, uh, a you know like a mini audit. Well, the mini audit was not supervised by Republicans or had any outside observers, and only included forty five thousand random ballots, garbage in, garbage out. We don't know if those ballots were good or not. So as we go through the ballots, my desire is to have to recount them, but also forensically analyze with photographic material whether the ballots were copied or filled in by a human. And then, of course, analyzing the paper. So hopefully we can get to the bottom of which uh, polling stations, you know, were using what sort of paper and what kind of chain of custody there was. And then additionally, look at the machines and anything else that handle the ballots to see if they're corrupted, if they're uh, online, if there are any shenanigans with software that shouldn't have been on there. We, we want to go through everything uh, to let everyone know clearly uh, that this is about uh, voter integrity. It's, it's not a game. This is a big deal. It was not easy to get to this point. There was a lot of work behind the scenes. You know, unfortunately, some of the. The private meetings were, were leaked by colleagues, but it, be that as it may, um, we, we, uh, we're looking at, at the, at the start, this is round one, 
and we might have a round two if needed be, and, and I'm thinking we probably will need to do one. But three counties of 67, obviously the top one is a Democrat county, which is Philadelphia. And uh, we, we saw a lot of issues come out of Philadelphia, that none of which were addressed adequately, if at all. And uh, about 750,000 uh, ballots in 2020, we'll look at there. Uh, don't have the number on uh, the 2021 primary. And two other counties, Republican. One is York County. In my Senate district, I have a part of southwestern York County. About a quarter million ballots that we're going to look at for the 2020 election. And then Tioga County, you know, up north of us here in a, in a very uh, rural or, or, you know, woodsy part of the state looking about 18,000 ballots. That's just for starters. I got a call already from, from a county commissioner and uh, he, he wants to bring this to his county. So we're willing to do another round of these. So Steve, to answer your question directly, today the notification went out to the three counties. This is what we want. You have three weeks to comply. And I gave the three weeks so we could stand up in court. That's that's adequate time to, to, to take stock at what we're asking for and how it's going to you know be delivered or, or handled. Uh, if there's non-compliance uh, within the three-week period on the 31st of July, uh, then my committee at some point uh, thereafter will come together. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss doing a subpoena, and then there'll be a vote in that same meeting on issuing the subpoena to the counties to force compliance. So uh, a lot to a uh, lot to go through here. Uh, I just want to go back. Uh, you, you've worked a long time to get this. You've done it very methodically. And I think what people I keep telling folks, hey, it's going to take how long it's going to take. But you got to get to the bottom of three November. And this is a start. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish? What, what, what are your objectives in getting particularly Philadelphia and York County? That when you put out this request, you've gone to Arizona. You see, it's a tripartite. You, they got the full forensic audit on the ballots, which has got the left freaked out. You've got the you've got um, you've got the recanvassing part, and then you've got the machine part. What do you hope to accomplish in this first phase uh, that this letter in, in, installs? Let's say let's say they come over. You don't have to subpoena them. Let's say they come forward with the records. What, what do you what do you hope to accomplish? After we have access to the ballots and machines and any other devices used for the voting, I just want to get to the bottom of what happened. What happened? I'm approaching this. I do have a Ph.D. in history, so I'm looking at this from a research perspective. I want to see what happened. Uh, was it fair and free and accurate or were there issues? And of course, there's going to be issues, Steve. This was you know, we operated this election here with a lot of firsts. The first, of course, a COVID environment where many polling stations were shut down out of fear because many of the many of our polling stations are manned by elderly especially in Republican counties. And so all this fear-mongering from our governor uh, had an effect on that. And so in rides, uh, no excuse mail-in voting. Okay, there, there were safeguards in place, as you would see with an absentee ballot. But the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, working together with the Governor Wolf's Secretary of State, they stripped away the protections. So you had a low bar to, to vote by mail, not even requiring a signature, a post, a postage date stamp on there, anything. It was like the wild, wild west. Meanwhile, if you go vote in person, matching signatures still required in, in, in other forms of safeguards. And so all these firsts here really disrupted things. We're looking at 2.1 million mail-in ballots uh, in 2020, as opposed to the previous presidential election. It was only about a quarter million, 270,000 uh, absentee ballots. So th a lot of firsts. And clearly for anyone on the other side to stand up and say this was a perfect election, I've heard this on the floor of the Senate. There was no fraud in this election in 2020. How anybody 
with an honest look on her face can say that just defies reason. There's going to be issues because we, this thing opened up a can of worms. So, Steve, my desire is to find out what the heck happened in 2020 and compare and contrast this to 2021 and get to the bottom of it and correct all the errors that, that may be found. You know what? If we're wrong and uh, everything was perfect as they claim, then the other side should have nothing, nothing to fear. The only reason why anyone should be opposed to this is they have something to hide. Well, that's the question. Why have they? You know, why have they? Since there's the, the they brag all the time, or they really don't brag about, it, but they say they had 81 million votes and they won the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Why, in your mind, have they not been more forthcoming? Why have they not worked for you over the last couple of months? If they, if they've got the receipts, why have they not been out of their way to, to shut up Doug Mastriano, to shut up Steve Bannon and this obnoxious war room policy, and particularly to shut up Donald Trump? If they got it, why did Wolf and these guys just come forward and say, we're tired of you guys. You've got the country all worked up. You've got your followers, you know, these crazy followers all worked up. There's all a bunch of lies. All but I mean, they put it in the media. It's a false claim. It's a false claim. Why have they not? And even the Republican establishment, why have people not said, let's put this to bed. Let's show the receipts. Let's get into it because we're going to show you that, that Biden you know, pull it out. He blew Trump out of the water and you're just going to have to live with it. Why have they not been? Why have they not helped you? The fact they fought you every step of the way. And trust me, I can see this thing going to court. This is just the beginning of a long, tough fight. But why are they not being uh, why are they not trying to be helpful just to shut us up for no other reason? Yeah, the vitriol on the other side and the, their lack of honesty, Steve, defies reason and logic. I, I look at our governor. Now, imagine you're governor of a state of 13 million, like like in Pennsylvania. And Governor Wolf, even his one of his networks, CNN, comes out and says about half of Pennsylvania voters have serious doubts or grave concerns about our election and election process in Pennsylvania and doubts an outcome. Any honest governor that cared about his people would say, you know what? Voting is a fundamental bedrock of, of this constitutional republic and uh, i see many of you have concerns and he might say i disagree with your concerns and instead of demonizing and attacking them he should come out and say i'm going to put those to rest i'm going to open up several counties for a full forensic audit well you'll have your our full support to do this here let the chips fall with where they may and uh, he should come out and say i got nothing to hide bring it on but instead they mock us, they attack us, they belittle the people out there that have concerns, they go down the road of conspiracy theorists. Oh, the irony, though, these who perpetuated four years of conspiracy theory on Russia and how Russia influenced the 2016 election, a complete fraud, and that was the actual big lie, um, that they would mock any of us here. But, uh, you know, and I've said this on the floor of the Senate, and I said it on your show before, I've seen better elections overseas. You know, NATO and the United States spend millions of dollars and put our men and women's lives on the line to ensure better elections in Afghanistan and Iraq and Bosnia and Kosovo when, when we're on mission there than I've seen in Pennsylvania. So let's just open up the books, see what happened, let the chips fall where they may. You know what? On the left, if we're wrong, you can come out and say, we told you that you know, Biden has a mandate and had overwhelming victory and popularity to see. And uh, so but let's uh, do this maybe to exonerate your man. But on the other side, if, if fraud and, and shenanigans are, are found, they need to be addressed. Look, let me tell you some hard math. Wolf's approval is at 39%. Part of it is about COVID, but a lot of it is the underpinning here is because people in Pennsylvania saying, hey, there was something wrong with 3 November. This guy's fighting it. Also, this is going to be a proxy war for the governor's race. Shapiro is going to be your base. Wolf's irrelevant. Shapiro, who is a demon, he's going to be all over this trying to stop this because he understands that this will, when you really count real votes, there's no way Shapiro can win the governorship uh real quickly we've got about 30 seconds what do people need to do to support you and how they find out more about you how they follow you on social media 
Yes, I have several pages. I have my official Senator Doug Mastriano page. I have Doug Mastriano fighting for freedom. That, that's the page where I can talk about everything. Uh, if you're in Pennsylvania, reach out to your senators, Democrat or Republican, and let them know what you think. And uh, if you support a forensic investigation of what happened in 2020 and 2021, ask them to get on board. And uh, regardless of party affiliation, anyone who cares about our republic should be on board with this. Colonel Mastriano, I know you've uh, got your doctorate in history. We're now you're part of the shot heard around the world. You're a true patriot. Thank you very much for joining us today. And a historic day in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that was pretty good. Like, you know, I could have just played that interview instead of talking. <laughs> instead of reading his press release. But no, I mean, so that we can kind of get the depth and the breadth of what is going on uh, in regards to the, you know, the mechanics of the wheels, you know, the machinery that these people are putting into this. It's why uh, I like to kind of go a little bit in depth about what they're talking about in regards to this. So that was Doug Mastriano. And now, guys, you heard what uh, Mr. Bannon here said. And the shot heard around the world, guys, and we are an audience to that shot. We are an audience to the shot that's being heard around the world, um, especially because we're, we're keeping up with this. Now, this is just in its infantile stage, right, uh, as far as uh, the audits are going in um, Pennsylvania, we will keep an eye on this. We will follow Pennsylvania just as closely as we followed the Arizona audits here at the Sea Report. And I'm hoping, hoping that they just totally decertify Georgia. Like, that's the trifecta right there. Oh, whoa, whoa, what is Mr. C doing? Oh, no, get that triangle off the screen. Okay. <laughs> it is the trifecta. Uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia Please don't wait like please don't make us wait until they have completed the audit in Pennsylvania to move on to Georgia or or Wisconsin or Michigan please but then again at the same time we still have Matthew DePerno and his team over at Michigan so Michigan could come out of left field honestly ladies and gentlemen Michigan could come out of left field um, but Georgia just needs to be decertified like, they just need to get rid of Brad Raffensperger, Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams, everyone in Georgia that's a heel. Just get rid of them. And, uh, well, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to move on to Georgia. Let's go talk a little bit about Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so what is going on with Georgia? All right, guys. So in Georgia, we have a new county coming into play. Now, Georgia, all the talk about Georgia has been Fulton County, Georgia. Fulton County, Georgia. Fulton County, Georgia. That's where Atlanta is. That's where Stacey Abrams parks her stinky booty, right? But um, indeed, we see that a new county is coming out to play. Now, really, all the counties have been in play in Georgia because of what? Because of the fact that, uh, you know, uh, several of them, we're talking about what, like at least half of them or more? have not um they have not uh turned in their chain of custody uh they have not been held to account to do that even though uh, uh news outlets like the georgia star have been seeking them for months now since basically like january they've been uh, for half a year it's taken them half a year to get chain of custody documentation from some of these places it's quite Disgusting, if you think about it. Yes, one, two, three, SKG, but not everything might be peachy in the state of Georgia, as it's uh, turning out. But last week, we uh, we shared with you in brief um, a story about how uh, gubernatorial candidate 
Candace Taylor had actually um, uh, put out a press release in regards to, I don't know, 7,700 ballots that were missing from the tabulation records in Cobb County, Georgia. So now Candace Taylor, now we've actually played a little bit about Candace Taylor. <laughs> Why don't we got Billy Idol in the chat room, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Anyways, okay, uh, we have we have uh, Candace Taylor. We featured her a few times on the C Report. Um, you know, she's given. Uh, she did. A, oh man, she did like a, a boss, like gangsta type of um, of uh, handing to Governor Brian Kemp. She served him with a, um, an affidavit from the people, right? So uh, she came out with a press release uh, recently. And uh, that was this was last week where she was talking about that in Cobb County, it was discovered that there were 1,608, 1,068, 922 um, early advanced votes that had no chain of custody in Cobb County. So, again, we have several counties in Georgia that are not reporting chain of custody. Right. Uh, but she went into Cobb County and she yanked it by its chains and she said, look. We're going to have a discussion about chain of custody in Cobb County. Uh, as a, a quick recap to her, um, and let me go ahead and get the let me go ahead and get the woman on screen. There is Candace Taylor. That was going to be a tough one, ladies and gentlemen. You got Vernon Jones and Candace Taylor both running for governor in the state of Georgia. Hopefully. And I'm not going to call the race because it's not my race to call. I don't live in the state of Georgia. But hopefully before it gets too late, like before the primary, one of them concedes. So this way there's no splitting of the vote, right? We don't want the vote split. I mean, if I were in Georgia, I know who I would be voting for, right? But hopefully one of them will will not, uh, you know, participate in the splitting of the vote because that's something that we don't need nowadays, right? Okay, so let's see. Uh, in a press release she had, let's, let's go through it just real quick where she's talking about uh, the missing chain of custody. Um, let's see here. We have it right her. Uh, she, she talks about uh, the proper process of closing out a precinct at the end of the day, including printing the tabulation tapes from voter scanner machines where the votes are cast. Um, and she noticed that um, some of the votes scanned, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the counter numbers, they had the same serial numbers. They had the same vote scan. They had the same date and time and other vital information. There was similar information uh, in this in, uh, in these machines. Now, she said, when the auditing team was examining the tabulator tape for advanced voting, they noticed that some tapes were produced by the same machines with the same serial numbers and the uh, protective counter numbers stayed the same. Tapes, in some case, were printed minutes apart. Each scanner should have produced its own tape with its own counter number, with its own serial number, and a unique date and time stamp. So this was obviously an issue. When they questioned them about these anomalies, the election director told the auditing team later that they had decided to make decisions to remove original memory cards that held vote ballots and totals from the scanners. She had these cards brought back to her location and the cards inserted in different machines, right? So all of this is already, not only is this like um, um, chain of custody in question, this is also possibly messing up all of the real voting numbers and totals. 
Now, it says that she effectively cast the voters' ballot in different machines and in different locations that were voted originally cast um, in another location. Um, and then her staff proceeded to break the seals on the machines and remove the memory cards and take the cards back to her. Now, this is the election director over there in Cobb County. And in doing so, the vote was flawed and did not protect the chain of custody of ballots. The cards which contain the ballot information and vote totals were haphazardly and without chain of custody mishandled with no proof of security and no time stamp. Now, this is from her press release back on July 2nd. So this was last week, right? Okay. And yes, now I'm talking about Georgia. <laughs> so if, uh, effectively, Cobb County had 1,074, um, 174,000. That's probably a better way to put it, right? 174,979 early advance votes. Only 6,057 early advance votes were processed correctly. The result being that 168,922 votes had no chain of custody, violated the vote security of the citizens of Cobb County, and therefore put into question the validity of the Cobb County vote. So now we have Fulton County and Cobb County coming under fire. And that's what I'm saying. With information like this, why do they need an audit? They should just decertify. They should just, yeah, they should just invalidate the entire election. Thank you, Drayling. That's exactly what they should do. Now, um, on the uh, yesterday, uh, Candace actually released some more information about stuff that was going on in Cobb County. Apparently, there were two missing tabulator tape totals from separate voting precincts. Now, the Cobb County election summary report, when examined and compared to the tabulator tapes, showed that 7,319 missing votes from advanced voting, um, but not 386 votes missing from election day, for a total of 7,705 missing votes in the county. When questioned about the missing votes, again, this director of elections could not reproduce the tabulator tape information from the Secretary of State's website and therefore had to call in a Dominion technician to open the central tabulation server at the Cobb County office to retrieve uh, the missing vote count. That information, however, when submitted to the audit group was sufficient, was insufficient, and was missing pertinent information from the tabulation tapes. And also, it was not a substitution for the official tabulator count of voting totals from the machine itself. The chain of custody in this process by the director calls into question the validity of 7,705 votes. So it's like, this is snowballing on them pretty hard in Cobb County, in Georgia in general. And again, I guess uh, Brad Raffensperger didn't have much to say about this because he didn't have a spy over there taking neurotic types of notes for him. But... Again, as a secretary of snake, you are in charge of what? The elections that are held in your state. Um, so it says here, with the previous finding of missing chain of custody for 168,922 ballots and the missing tabulation tape for 7,705 ballots, it shows that the um, election procedure was not properly handled or being followed by anyone in Cobb County. So basically, with all of these shenanigans, missing tabulator tapes, a lack of chain of custody in Cobb County, the county should never have been certified. Never should have been certified. So I'm hoping and praying, guys, pray with me, that Georgia will just decertify. 
Like they're just going to decertify everything in Georgia. They're not going to even waste time. That's basically the end of it for Georgia. So let's get the, the report done in Arizona. Let's get Pennsylvania rolling and let's get uh, Georgia decertified. Let's just decertify it. We only need three states, guys. Those three states will help um, to basically uh, take away the electoral vote from Joe, pedo Joe. And at that point, what's going to happen? We don't know. Everything is game at that point. So we don't know exactly what will happen. I mean, we could take a pretty healthy guess, I think, about what could happen at that point. But, you know, I just want to see that happen. It needs to happen at least, at least in Georgia. Just decertify it. Just decertify it. <laughs> okay, guys, I got a little bit more Georgia news for you. Get the flag back on the state. Okay, so, pardon me. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm sure you guys have done heard that um, A.G. Merrick Garland wants to sue the state of Georgia. In fact, I think he's already effectively sued the state of Georgia. He's like, I will sue the peach. And uh, so he's gone ahead and uh, went through with that whole, you know, um, show that he's doing over there. And, um, well, um, it seems that uh, he's probably going to get some more opposition, probably a little bit more than he was hoping for. Because let's not forget, A.G. Garland of Biden's DOJ was suing Georgia over the fact that uh, their uh, election integrity and election reform laws, which have passed now and are law in the state of Georgia, were what? They were racist, sexist, misogynist, racist, sexist. No, just kidding. They were racist, basically. They were attacking minorities. They were going to make it difficult for people to vote. It was going to be against the uh, the uh, Voting Rights Act of 19-whatever, you know. And um, what happened in Arizona when the same types of voting laws and regulations passed? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the voting integrity laws. They voted in favor of securing our elections. They said, no, you cannot have some weird, strange person coming to collect ballots. It has to be one of five people, a family member, a household member, a post office worker, you know, something like that. And uh, they said, no, Arizona, you cannot mail out ballots to everyone on your voter rolls. That's just not going to happen. It's wrong. It uh, leaves room for a lot of error and fraud. So with the Supreme Court deciding to go ahead and, uh, you know, stay on the side of voting integrity and against voter fraud, in other words, making it harder to cheat, but easier to vote, that kind of leaves a precedence against A.G. Garland in his suit against the state of Georgia. Well, Something else is going to be a bone in the side of A.G. Merrick Garland when he tries to go to task on suing the state of Georgia over their election integrity laws. Because it appears that a federal judge has decided to challenge, uh, I apologize, a federal judge has decided to reject a challenge that was being thrown again at Georgia's voting laws. Okay. So apparently this, uh, this uh, organization called the Coalition of Good Governance, 
which is a left-leaning group that describes itself as an election security group, opposed the Election Integrity Act of 2021's provisions that voters request of absentee ballots of at least 11 days ahead of election day. So basically, in this uh, this whole new voting law that Georgia passed, they say if you want an absentee ballot, you have up until 11 days prior to election day to request. That's your deadline, right? Well, apparently this is not good enough for the coalition of good governance. Apparently they want you to be able to walk up to the election site and say, can I have an election ballot? I'm requesting it. We can understand how, I mean, I mean, literally it's, it's literally, they wouldn't be able to walk up and request an absentee ballot because obviously an absentee ballot means you cannot be present, right? I'm just, you know, being a little facetious, but Essentially, what that would do is it means that they can't have election night plus seven because they requested their absentee ballot the day before elections. It takes, you know, at least what a few days to get there, a few days to mail out. So we have to wait a week and a half before we can count these absentee ballots. Right. Okay. so the Coalition of Good uh, Governance decided that that was just not good. We're against that. It makes it harder for uh, minorities and it makes it harder for blacks to vote because something about, I don't know, CPT time. But um, there was a district judge by the name of uh, J.P. Bouli who decided to um, basically dismiss this petition. He said that he was not going to change the law in the ninth inning because basically they've already enacted all these laws. He said election administrators have prepared to implement the challenged rules, um, have implemented them at least to some extent, and now would have to grapple with a different set of rules in the middle of the election. Uh, so it sounds like he uh, voted on the side of practicality, right? Uh, he, he was like, practically speaking, uh, they're already doing this. Like, why am I going to change it? Right. Anyways, he says the risk of disrupting the administration of an ongoing election outweigh the alleged harm to plaintiffs at this time. So the case, again, this case is separate from the litigation that, uh, you know, Garland over there, AG Garland is trying to bring to the state of Georgia. But at the same time, you know, uh, this is going to make it harder for him because now he's got all of this precedence, all these strikes that are going against the moves that he was trying to make. So I don't know. That sounds like a good thing to me, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, yes, there we go. That's uh, that's that's uh, that pretty much wraps that up for Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. So, okay. All right. Now I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Now, I got one more story to share with you guys here at the Sea Report. I hope you guys are having a good time tonight. And, uh, oh, hey, Doreen Merck. Thank you so much for gifting the shades. I appreciate your gold pill shades over there at the Foxhole app. Let's see what we got here for you guys. Ah, yes. Let's talk about this woman. Let's talk about this woman. And then we'll wrap it up at the C-Report for you guys here tonight. Uh, you guys might be wondering who this woman is. Who is this woman, you might wonder? Well, uh, this is a story that comes from the state of Virginia. <laughs> uh, and this woman here is actually, she's actually a Clinton Foundation donor. 
Okay. Uh, this story came up from Breitbart. Now, she is a famed PBS anchor. Her name is Judy Woodruff. Judy Woodruff is her name. Apparently, she's an anchor over at the public broadcasting station. I am not a fan of PBS. I am not a fan of NPR. I cannot stand them because they use taxpayer money against any American citizen. Like, they're using our money against us in order to push their agenda. Cannot stand people who do that. I mean, it's the most sour and evil thing that you can do. I mean, using Americans' money to sell America against them, to be against America, to push ideas that are un-American, it just, it's just, it's sickening, ladies and gentlemen. Sickening. Um, but anyway, so why, why are we talking about this woman, PBS anchor Judy Woodruff? Well, for one, uh, the big thing here, guys, is that she actually, she actually has, in several years past, been a host, been a host and a commentator, or well, actually host is actually the word I'm looking for. She's been a host for debates in the state of Virginia for the gubernatorial race, okay? But it is now coming out that she was actually a Clinton Foundation donor, and there's more, actually. So anyways, it says here, uh, Woodruff has not officially been announced to be a moderator in an upcoming gubernatorial debate in the state of Virginia, right? It's for the upcoming Virginia Bar Association debate between McAuliffe, that's Terry McAuliffe, who is uh, a Democrat over there in the state of Virginia, and a Republican by the name of Glenn Youngkin. See, it's funny how they always get the well, it's not so funny, but the way they always get their own minions to do the moderation, to, you know, to be part and setting up these uh, these debates and all these things like that. Like they get their own people in, they control the narrative. They basically uh, they basically just it, it, I mean, it's all snookered, you know, it's all set up and snookered to begin with. OK, so here it says um uh, that uh, it'll be between, uh, yes, uh, Terry McAuliffe and uh, Glenn Youngkin over in the state of Virginia. Um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, it says, uh, Politico revealed in 2015 that Woodruff gave a whopping $250 to the Clinton Foundation's Clinton-Haiti Relief Fund. Uh, so that doesn't sound like a whole lot of money, you know, um, but uh, there's some more connections that she actually has to the Clintons. Again, this is a woman that works for PBS, Hey, Babs, the Ice Queen. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking about Virginia. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh, Babs, I could see why you were saying that about Trump last episode. Youngkin is a financial globalist and Trump endorsed him. I'm glad you're still in the chat, Babs. I've never heard of this guy before. Um, okay, but it says here, uh, in regards to this woman, again, this is, uh, this is uh, Judy Woodruff, PBS anchor, Clinton Foundation donor, host of the gubernatorial race in, uh, sorry, gubernatorial debates in the state of Virginia. It says that uh, uh, her Clinton-connected corruption in Haiti largely overshadows anything productive the Clinton Foundation may have done in the poverty-stricken Korean island. We, we already know about Haiti. We talked about Haiti. Okay, uh, but here it says, uh, 
Uh, Hillary Clinton, the 20, 2016 Democrat presidential nominee, was the United States. Why are we talking about Hillary Clinton? We need to talk about this Judy Woodruff person. Uh, a 2004 Clinton Foundation board report shows that McAuliffe was uh, that year's uh, board member of the organization that Woodruff would later donate to. So already she, as a moderator for the debate, is in cahoots with Terry McAuliffe. Now, isn't that interesting, ladies and gentlemen? So this is her friend on stage. This is her friend. Terry McAuliffe is friends with this Woodruff individual, right? Okay, so um, that's, a, that's another ethical complication for this woman to be a moderator for the debates in Virginia. Okay, so she basically, she should, uh, she should, she should um, basically not be doing that. She should recuse herself of such a position, okay? But she may go ahead and try and do so anyways. Now, McAuliffe was also a board member of the Clinton Global Initiative. And his role there, um, um, CNN reported in 2016, was the subject of criminal investigation by the FBI. So it sounds like Terry McAuliffe already has a whole bunch of strikes against him. Um, and I don't know, will this young Kim person uh, bring this up to the forefront? Because they're doing it in other places. The ties between the Clinton Foundation and McAuliffe are so close to the so close that the Washington Post published a 2015 piece detailing how very close they really are with hundreds of overlapping donors. More than 175 contributors to the Clinton Foundation and to Hillary Rodham Clinton's 2016 Democrat presidential campaign have dug deep into their wallets for McAuliffe often giving prol prol prolifically despite little or no connection to Virginia. So he's giving a lot of money to federal, uh, federal level people, but uh, you know, um, they're like, well, what the heck? Now it says here that Woodruff has had a distinguished 45 year journalistic career, holding down important positions with CBS, NBC, CNN, and PBS. The Virginia Bar Association's executive director, R. Yvonne Cochram, issued a statement to Breitbart News defending Woodruff's moderating uh, the Virginia Bar Association-sponsored debates in the Commonwealth, saying the Virginia Bar Association has hosted statewide debates in Virginia for over 30 years, many moderated by Judy Woodruff. So I guess that's enough of a defense there. Okay. Ooh. The Carlisle Group, you don't say so, huh? Multi-billionaire who stepped down to run as governor, one of the largest financial trading companies. That's um, that's um, that's some pretty good dirt right there, if you ask me, Babs, uh, Babs the Ice Queen. Good to know. Um, so yeah, so uh, PBS NewsHour spokesman Nick Masella did not answer questions regarding the possibility of Woodruff's moderating a debate this year in Virginia's governor's race. Uh, including whether she would, if she was offered to accept the role and accept to disclose the outside debate viewers, her clear financial conflicts. Like if she gets accepted to this role, is she going to tell everyone, hey, I donated to the Clintons and uh, Terry Colliff worked for them. And uh, we were basically, you know, best friends and stuff like that. I don't know. But here's another snake in the grass, another PBS anchor. No, you know, I don't know about a whole lot of PBS anchors, but what I can tell you is I do not approve of PBS. They need to be shut down or they need to be reformed immediately. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up today's C-Report. I hope you guys had a great show. I know I did. 
The day's been long, let me tell you what, but you know what? It's about time to put Mr. C's uh, bed down, uh, head down to bed. So I'm already talking backwards, okay? Let me go ahead and release the lotto for you guys. All right, lotto has been released. Uh, looking up, just V, the speaking easy, Texas gal, Babs, the ice queen, pilled by the rabbit, one, two, three, SKG. And everyone else, Philly Q, everyone else who joined us in chat today, thank you so much. Doreen Merck, thank you also for the gold pill donations that came my way. I hope you guys had a great evening. I'm going to go ahead and try and, I'm going to try and scratch off also before I hang up. Scratch off, scratch on. <laughs> All right, guys, we will be... Oh, it's not letting me scratch. I released the lotto. There we go. I get to scratch a scratch a scratch a. All right, you guys are watching me scratch, okay? I hope it's not inappropriate. All right. Most welcome, guys. It was good to see you all. We'll be back tomorrow with more headlines and more news. Um, so don't forget, we'll be here at the Sea Report Thursday, tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. And uh, until then, ladies and gentlemen, have a great night. Get some rest. I know I will tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow. Till then, take care, friends.